you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lilovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Joel Lilovich. And I'm Lucy Dickens. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. We have Harry with us again today, so enjoy listening out for those little baby murmurs. And he's been hiccuping. I don't know if the mic is picking that up, but he's been hiccuping through this interview, so that's fun too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Many of our listeners are business owners, and we often find that they have slightly different issues when it comes to managing the juggle. So today we thought we would get a business owner on the show to explain to you what it's like managing her juggle of family and business. Our guest today is Kathleen Langford. Together with Lisa Cooper, Kathleen founded Inside Out Occupational Therapy Group in 2013. She describes herself as a mother of three, two children and one business, and the business is her colicky third child. (laughs) Her business now operates three clinics and serves numerous schools and also makes home visits covering child adolescent and parent therapy. Kathleen works full-time running the business, including a team of 12 staff members and also being a mum to her two children. Enjoy the show. Hi, Kathleen. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. So we know you're a very busy lady and that you're taking a little <laughs> bit of time out of your, um, your daily schedule. So what does a typical weekday look like for you? Oh, well, today, um, being a Monday, uh, we have a very, actually, a very strong routine. So today is a little bit different to Tuesday, which is a little bit different to Wednesday. But today I get up and my husband goes to work ultra early so that he can pick up the children at three o'clock. So he starts early and I do the before school shift and I get the kids to school and then I drive to work and I work up until about 5.36 and then I drive home and he picks them up from school, takes them to their activities, which is on a Monday piano and tennis and does homework and cooks dinner and then I get home at about 6 and collect my son from tennis get home, we eat, we do what's remaining of homework, make lunches, <laughs> put them to bed and hopefully at a decent hour. Collapse on the sofa? No. No? Oh, we're not done yet. That would be what I would love to do. <laughs> and then typically, and then what, once they're asleep or in bed um, and they know that they need to get on with that, that that's their job then to go to <laughs> sleep. Um, and generally they're pretty good at that. But um, then I jump back on the computer and I, because um, as you know, it's my own business. So there's a multitude of emails and things that I then need to get back um, to with people for the next day. And mm-hmm. depending on the day and what's going on, I could be awake till 10 at night or so doing that and shower and that's my day. <laughs> and sometimes I read a book or watch some TV or whatever it is with my husband. But um, yeah, then it starts all over again. So yeah, <laughs> it's a busy day. <laughs> is Monday a long working day for you or is that pretty typical? Is that split yeah. shift thing normal? Yeah, it is, um, Lucy. So on a Tuesday, I start late because I drop the kids to school but I work late as a result. And on a Tuesday, I do regular school hours. So I um, drop the kids at school and I pick them up and I get everything done in between. Wednesdays, I do a big, big day because I have other support on a Wednesday. Thursdays, I do another school day. So I drop off and pick up. And on a Friday, I work from home and do lots of here, there and everywhere jobs for family and work. So 
Yeah. That sounds really structured. Does it actually work like that weekly? Because I try, I say to Lisa all the time, I wish I could have more routine in my life and and not just be saying the night before, who's going to do the drop off and who's going to do the pickup? But it just doesn't seem to work in our life. Yeah, I know. Look, I think we've been doing it for a while now and, you know, you always have curveballs. Someone's sick, you know, there's something that's on at school. There's always things, but generally speaking, my husband needs notice if he's taking time off because he doesn't own his own business. He has to go to work and be there at a certain time and do his hours. So in respect to him and also to my mum who helps me on Wednesday and she has other things she does on other days, I have to keep it really stringent, if you like, with the routine. So mm. we've been doing it for a long time like that and it seems to work. It seems to balance out, you know. And this whole idea of running your own business, you know, it gets talked about a lot. And I definitely don't shout from the rooftops that I think it's a wonderful idea for flexibility purposes. But for you, you said that your business idea was sparked when you were on maternity leave with Charlotte, your second child. So do you think that actually having children changed your views of your career goals? Look, I think it inspired me to do something better. I had always wanted to do my own business. So I think I was that person on the back of an envelope had always been jotting down you know exciting ideas of things that I wanted to do myself so I think there was always that sense of ambition within me um, but it never really felt like the right time and I think when I had maternity leave with my second child it became more clear that that's actually what I wanted to do and the idea of going back um, to a really busy busy clinical team in the government sector just made me feel like it wouldn't be able to do things the way that I felt my family needed them to be done Um, and I wanted some extra um uh, rewards, if you like, um, from what I was doing and do things my own way. So it kind of prompted it. Um, I did go back briefly, um, but you know, with drop offs at daycares and pickups and sicknesses and you know, ear infections and all the things that we have happen in our lives, it just felt like I was a little bit of a circus and I didn't like that feeling. And so I decided that um, I wanted to do things more structured in my own way and I was very lucky at the time because my colleague and um, my partner in crime Lisa Cooper she was also in a very similar situation with her two children and wanted the same thing also so I think we had each other to spark on that idea and get the ball rolling. So speaking of structure how do you manage to keep the boundaries between working and the rest of your life especially when it is your own business and as you say there's always something to be done so it's easy to just or easier perhaps to just fall back into the swing of, I'll just do a little bit more work. How do you manage those boundaries? Yes, I mean, boundaries, it's such an interesting idea and notion because when you run your own business, you actually, you know, you could work forever. You know, there really isn't ever a time when you could really just turn the computer off or and it's done for the day. You could continue. So I think I get, I prioritise and I think, well, these are the things that need to be done for tomorrow um, and these are the things, therefore, that I'll stay up and do. And I think that works well that some things then get held over to the next day or to Friday or whatever it might be. But my boundaries, I guess, in my mind, revolve around when my children are busy and doing their activities, that's when I can then jump back on the computer and be portable and get back on with my work. So whilst to the outsider my boundaries might look a little bit light in that I'm working when they're playing tennis or they're at dancing lessons or whatever, but for me that works well because they're not affected by it. And then when I'm with them, I don't have that sense of, oh, my goodness, I've got, you know, three phone calls to return. So the boundaries, I guess, my own um, created around the kids' routine and, again, prioritise is what I need to get back 
to the next day or what they did. So it sounds like your boundaries around being present. That's right. Yeah. And look, that's not always the case. You know, I'm normal like everybody else. So sometimes I am distracted and, you know, you can't be fully in the moment. And other times you feel that sense of lightness when you have been able to get things off your list and then when you pick them up from school or from their lesson or whatever it is that you're doing, you're actually happy to be with them and ask them how they went and, and really listening to them. So that's right. To be present is the goal. Yeah, I think that's something that I've noticed recently. You know, my kids will come home from school. I'll spend a bit of time with them getting afternoon tea, asking them those questions about how school went. And then I'll be, oh, I've got to go and finish this thing before five o'clock. So I'll go and try to do that. The next thing you know, I have one, two or all three of the kids in the office with me while I'm trying to finish that thing. Yeah, exactly. That's right. You know, and then you just have to make the call, don't you, about whether it's just not the right time to do what you need to do. Yes. And let go and say, right, you know what, I can't get that done in the next hour and they're just going to have to wait for that response or I'll do it tonight or I'll just be up later. But they actually need me. And sometimes if you try and push them away, they escalate. They get more and more wanting you. Yep. <laughs> and I sometimes I think, you know what, just go with what they want. I mean, I set them, they have activities and they have their things that they do and they do know that if mum's working, they need to be quiet if I'm on the phone or whatever it might be, that they have to also respect that. Yeah. But to a point because they are children. I think that's one of the advantages of the split shift that you say at the beginning, you know, my day's not done yet. I go back, when I get home, I get back to work. The advantage to working flexibly in that way is while other people might think, oh, you started at, you know, six o'clock and you're working till 10 o'clock at night. The advantage of that is that, yeah, but that also means that you can do the school drop off and the school pick up because you're working in around the family schedule and it, it works for you. So it does. It's not that I'm working full time for all of those hours. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It's a piecemeal kind of approach. Yeah. And whilst that can be hard with your own attention and focus and getting back into the game again, you get used to it. You know, that I think as a mum you do, you get used to kind of jumping back in again when you have to. Yeah, she yeah. says as she's breastfeeding. That's <laughs> you, you, say, you say as I'm breastfeeding the baby and talking to you and kind and of maintaining focus. Yeah. <laughs> jumping between the two things. Yep, it's that's exactly it. <laughs> What advice would you give to other women, particularly who are running their own business and who are doing this, you know, switching between the roles and trying to focus on one thing and family at one point and how do you do that what are your tips around that I mean I guess my number one would be support um, and I I think that without support I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing and my children would be a lot worse off as well so I think my biggest advice would be have really great support structures and when I say that from my own experience I'm talking about my business partner who is equally as determined and ambitious and action orientated as I am and so that's a great support for me. My husband who's also extremely supportive in his own way who has a full-time job and has a very big job so his support and me then supporting him is very important. Family members to support um, in a structured way and then of course cherishing friendships particularly those who you meet in the early years when your children are young and starting school or starting kindy and investing your time in those friends because Whilst they help me, I also help them and our kids benefit from it too. And most of my friends are busy mums working and juggling. And so we can support one another in that practically as well as psychologically. <laughs> yeah. It makes such a difference when you have another school mum that you can call and just say, I'm going to be late to school. Can you just grab my child? Or 
can you take them to a particular birthday party or look after them there or whatever it might be? It does. It's such a natural thing rather than always asking and relying on parents who are getting older, who have other children, you know, grandchildren to look after or whatever. It's just such a natural way of um, getting support and giving support. And I think our kids respond so well to it because they're then socialising as well at the same time, which yeah. is really good for them. Absolutely. And and as I said earlier, um, I definitely don't think that having your own business is the solution for everyone. You were talking to someone who is thinking about starting their own business. What would you say to them before they go out and do it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, I guess, you know, if you're the sort of person who's always wanted to do it and it feels very much that thing inside of you that's always called, you know, I want to do this, this is what I want to do, then I'd say do it, go for it. But be aware when you enter it that it is a lot of work and particularly in the early stages of the business where you don't have the resources, money to pay for support, you know, to, to buy in reception or to buy in bookkeeping, whatever it might be that you need to keep you running. When you don't have the money for that, you end up doing a lot of things yourself yeah. in yes. addition to the work that you're trained to do. Yes. And so the first part of it is a big learning curve and it requires a lot of investment of yourself in all things that you never thought you were trained to do yeah (laughs) and so and then as it as you get go along you're able to then add in those structures and make it healthier for you but my experience was that it's very hard at the beginning but with equal parts feeling satisfied and being rewarded for small gains you think yay it's working you know this is happening now And, and those highs you can't measure how that makes you feel it makes you feel really good and it motivates the next step. And that's probably a good sign too, isn't it? If you're not getting those highs at all, then there's something wrong here and maybe this isn't for you. Yeah, I think so. You know, you want to be aware of how you're feeling. If it's all negative and all bad, then maybe something's not quite right, not a great match for you. Um, And there's nothing wrong with pulling the pin and getting out and trying something and it not being a good match. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. There's always something to be gained from the new experience. That's right. Huge learning curve. You know, yeah. that you can apply then to other things. You can say, you know what, I did it and it didn't work, but um, or I did it and now I'm just going to change it slightly. Yeah, the mental challenge is just such a huge thing, and I think that that actually leads into switching gears a little bit because I know that in the um, work that you do with schools and and privately, you spend a lot of time with working parents. And I think you've mentioned before that there's a big mental challenge for the parents who have children with, you know, developmental issues and those kinds of things. So what are the particular issues that you see that parents are struggling to deal with? I mean, I guess it depends on the age of the child. A lot of the time parents will come to me with a behavioural issue um, or an emotional issue or some sort of performance issue. So the child may not be doing particularly well in year one or in pre-primary they may be getting in trouble a lot or or they might be really unhappy and finding themselves feeling quite isolated and not having a lot of friends. So it just depends on the age of the child and what the parents are coming to. But what they don't know is why. They might have a hypothesis about the reason, but they're not really quite sure. And so what we do is help them figure it out. And that's throughout the lens that we use in occupational therapy, looking at the factors that are required to perform in various things and if we detect that there's areas of weakness in skills for example then that's what we explain to parents that we need to focus on 
so that we can then improve that area of that child's functioning. And you mentioned to us in preparing for this interview that a lot of the time the parents who you see, particularly working parents who come to you with children with these issues, often are blaming themselves, perhaps because they are working or they feel like they haven't, if they had not been working, then maybe things would be different with their children. What do you say to that? I think that's the eternal struggle of parents, you know, that we always <laughs> feel guilty because we're doing something else and you feel like, you know, should you be in one camp or the other, the working camp or the not working camp? But, you know, the grass isn't greener on either side. Every side has their struggle. And certainly for children who require a lot more support, the kids that we see who perhaps need more time um, to learn and remember facts and things and to do the things that they need to do, Working mums and dads will often say, oh, does this mean that I should be at home every afternoon or every morning or should I just quit my job and do that? And over the years, we've had a lot of different permeations of what parents do then choose to do. Some will take a break and focus on their kids for that term um, or year or whatever it might be. And others will just keep going and then plug in the supports that we've helped them to identify, such as coming in for therapy regularly. And so I would probably say to a lot of parents that children present with difficulties often that are developmental, which would be there regardless of whether you worked or whether you didn't work. You know, sensory processing, neurological processing and how that all comes together and underpins what we do um, isn't determined by whether mum's at work or not. Um, That is how we are born and our DNA and the way it's all pulled together Obviously, at times, our children present with issues that come through them. So if there's stress in the family or in mum, dad or others, children present with those difficulties. So it's important that sometimes it could be the busyness of life and the way that you're responding and how present you are that actually also contributes to how your children are functioning. And that might be something then you can change. But in terms of things developmentally, it wouldn't be any different in that regard. I think it's something that we're constantly asking ourselves, you know, are we harming our kids by being working mothers or working fathers, but particularly working mothers? And from what you've just said, it sounds like maybe we are, maybe we aren't. (laughs) Maybe it depends on the child. Yeah. Look, everyone's different, aren't they? And some kids are more resilient and some kids are more sensitive. And all of our kids have their own temperaments. And some of our children have a temperament plus something else that's also an area of difficulty for them. All of our kids, if you've had more than one, you know, they're all different. And what you did for one doesn't work with the second and the third because they're all different. And so, you know, the the game constantly changes, I think. But if you're aware of your children's needs, then you have to make a decision based on that, really. And what you expect to happen when you've had a baby may not always be what then happens. But generally speaking, going back to your earlier question, most parents that come in who are working stay working and children value seeing their parents having jobs, working hard and being a really healthy role model in the family. I think that that's a good thing. I do too. A question we like to ask of all our guests is, do you have a mantra, a a guiding principle or words that you live by? (laughs) For myself, it would be, there's nothing in my day that I can't manage. Oh, that's a really strong positive one. <laughs> I think, you know, it's that self-talk, isn't it? Yeah. You know, sometimes I wake up and I think, oh, my gosh, I've got so much on today, so many things. And I think, no, I can do it all. I'll manage it. And you do. You may not be able to fix it all or it might not have all gone very well, but you manage things. But you get through it. 
you get through and you know you do and you have that attitude to life some days are harder than others <laughs> absolutely and speaking of some days being harder than others what piece of advice would you give to other people like us other professional women who are doing this juggle be kind to yourself reflect on what you've achieved don't be too hard on yourself or critical lower your expectations sometimes about the perfect parent or just being a good enough parent which is my motto um <laughs> and um yeah I think that would be my main advice you know, that you're doing a great job and, you know, do invest in yourself, your interests, the things that make you happy, your friends, and all the things that make you the person that you are before you had children and before you were married and had a job. You know, those parts are what makes you special and to try where possible to remember those things and to do them when you can. Very good advice. I love that, the idea of remembering who you were before you had kids. Yeah. Which isn't always easy, is it? Let's no. be honest. It's not. <laughs> no. It often just feels selfish. So. Well, that's right. I mean, but I think if you have a good agreement with the person that's helping you to enable you to do that, then you don't feel the guilt. You feel guilt-free and that it, it helps, you know. I guess the other thing I'd say, depending on how old your children are, is it actually does get a little bit easier. Yeah. And my kids are still in primary school, one's in year six and one's in year three. So it's still tricky. But as they've got older, they've become more independent. I don't need to do as many things for them. They don't need me for as much. The issues are different, but it is a little easier to work and to think outside of the family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's something we hear or I hear people tell me that quite a lot, so it's good to know. Yeah, oh, I'm experiencing that, you know, so I think that there's something in it, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Kathleen. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, it was great. Thank you. If you'd like to know more about Kathleen and the services that her business Inside Out Occupational Therapy has to offer, you can find out more about them at the website www.insideouttherapy.com.au. At the moment, they have a special offer, which is a 50-minute OT checkup for children, and it only costs $90 and includes the child being screened by an occupational therapist, your main parental concerns discussed, and you also get a printed summary report. That's all from us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating and let us know what you think. And if you want to talk some more with us, then come and join our Facebook community. You can find the link to it and all the details on our website, www.thejuggle.com.au. See you next time. Happy juggling. Happy juggling.